Welcome to the first episode of the Matt Graham podcast. The name is subject to change. I'm not sure if that's going to be the name permanently. So if you're looking back at these episodes at a future date and you see that the branding has changed and the name has changed, that is because I couldn't make a decision. And so I changed it. But uh, I've been hesitant to start a podcast simply because talking for, you know, anywhere from 30 to 60 minutes is a lot different than talking from anywhere from 30 to 60 seconds. So it's a much different endeavor. It's a much different style of content, but many people have asked for it. And if I'm being truthful, this has been the plan the whole time. Uh, when I set out on this whole TikTok thing, this whole short form content thing, uh, the plan was eventually to transform it into a podcast because, I mean, if you look at the content, it is podcast style, very podcast-esque. And that was done intentionally because I wanted to eventually get into a point where I was just, you know, talking and that's all that's all I was doing. So here we are, the first installment of the podcast. Um, I want to make one thing very clear is that I expect to be bad at this to start. I expect the first maybe dozen episodes or so to be underwhelming, not necessarily underwhelming, but just not as professional as they would otherwise be. Because again, I'm getting used to this talking in long form uh, type content. I'm so used to talking, you know, in my 30 to 45 second blurbs and having the ability to edit them uh, and just do them over and over again, right? Because, you know, I don't script any of my content, but I certainly don't do it all in one take, right? When I when I have a piece of content, you know, I might be saying a certain phrase a dozen times to get it right before I actually post it. And uh, that cannot be the case here because I want to make this as authentic and as um, uncut and unedited and unfiltered as I possibly can. So that being said, welcome to the podcast. Um, it's going to be a, it's going to be a fun ride, but I, I very much promote that you need to be bad at things first. So if, if I am going to start this podcast, I can't have the expectation that I'm going to be amazing at it to start just like anything else. If you're going to start something new, you have to anticipate being bad at it. And if I'm being honest, I was hesitant to do that simply because I don't want to be bad at something, especially publicly. And what can you do, you know? Okay. So the purpose of today's first podcast is to answer some of my most frequently asked questions. I get a lot of questions, you know, on a daily basis, on all my videos, in live streams, in Instagram DMs, and they are all, many of them are the same. I get a lot of the same questions from a lot of the same guys that are like, you know, 18 to 24 year olds that are just getting started in personal development. They're just getting started in business. They're just getting started in life, essentially, and they ask the same questions. So I'm here to answer them today. And I'm going to do my best to mean what I say and say what I mean and be articulate. So bear with me. 
And I do have my notes here. So forgive me for looking at my phone for people listening on Spotify or iTunes or any other platform that they're listening to this on. Um, they don't know what I'm talking about. So anyway, uh, we're going to dive into the first question. Uh, actually, first, I want to uh, address something super quickly. Um, I saw the other day that um, Anthony Rumble Johnson, the UFC fighter, passed away at age 38. And um, that's so incredibly sad. And I just wanted to take a minute to address that. Um, that's not a big name in the world. It wasn't even trending on Twitter. And, uh, but if you're, if you're a fan of the UFC, you know who he is and it's, it's just incredibly unfortunate to see somebody like that go, especially so young. So I wanted to pay my respects, um, in this inaugural episode of the podcast, cause that just happened yesterday, I think. And, uh, I wrote that down in my show notes to, to talk about that. So yeah, just wanted to address that rest in peace, Anthony Rumble Johnson. Okay. Let's dive into the first question. And uh, lift the spirits a little bit, shall we? All right. The absolute number one question that I get is, what do you think about drop shipping? What do you think about e-commerce? What do you think about SMMA? What do you think about Amazon FBA? They're all essentially the same questions, right? What do you think about this business model that I see a bunch of people making money online um, doing? You know, I see I, I'm I'm this young kid and I wanna I wanna go make money, but I don't really want to actually work. That's essentially what that means. And I don't want to discredit anybody that does e-commerce. I don't want to discredit anybody that does, you know, drop shipping, Amazon FBA. I don't I I'm sure it's hard work. It's business, it's it's hard work. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that it's not, but young guys think that it is easy. Young guys think that that's going to be some fast cash. Young guys think they see guys with their Shopify screenshots of like, you know, $70,000 in revenue. And they think that, you know, that that's going to be them and it's going to be overnight. And that's more often than not, not going to be the case, Right. Think of think of the average e-commerce business owner, the average e-commerce doer, and it's the same with Amazon FBA. It's the same with social media marketing. Any of these trendy business models that you see, the average person that does these things, they are not the guys that you see with the seventy thousand dollar revenue stream on their Shopify screenshots. That is not the average. The average person that does e-commerce is probably sitting in their mom's basement or sitting in their bedroom at home, some 19-year-old kid constantly refreshing his Shopify page, trying to see if somebody made, like he made one extra sale, trying to see if he made five extra dollars. He just refresh and refresh and refresh, just hoping it goes up, hoping he makes a sale, spending his hard-earned money that he made washing dishes and waiting tables on Facebook ads to sell some bullshit product that he got on AliExpress or Alibaba and is drop shipping it to people. That's the average, right? It's just like the average content creator. 
the average content content creator is not Mr. Beast. It's not your it's not your Casey Neistat. It is not your top one percent of YouTubers. It is your guys that have five hundred subscribers that post religiously, and they get fifty views a video. Maybe they're still not monetized after all these years. That's the average. And I don't say this to try to, you know, deter you from doing e-commerce or to deter you from pursuing any of these online business models. I think the point that I'm trying to make here is that it's about the jockey, not the horse. And what I mean by that is the person who does the thing is going to determine whether or not the thing is successful, right? If you took Elon Musk, if you took Jeff Bezos, if you took Gary Vaynerchuk, if you took uh, David Goggins, like you take any of these characters that just have this relentless work ethic that will figure anything out, no matter how hard it is, that just strive for that high level of success, they could, they could open a McDonald's, they could do an e-commerce shop, they could sell tires. It doesn't matter what they do they're going to succeed at it, right? It is all about the jockey and not about the horse. So I think it gets messed up, confused by these guys when they see, you know, a certain business model producing a certain level of success or a certain business model yielding careers for, for, for online entrepreneurs. And that's, that, that doesn't mean that that business model is automatically going to work for you just because other people are doing it, right? It doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. It just means that somebody who was going to be successful anyway chose that business model, right? Business is hard. Business is one of the harder ways to make money. And a lot of people think that it's easy. A lot of people think that it's because it's online, because you can do it from home, that it's going to be a cakewalk. And sure, there might be a blueprint for certain things, you know, there might be systems for certain things. You think about like, you know, you take a course on drop shipping and there might be a certain way to do Facebook ads that works a certain way and, you know, yields a certain result to a certain degree of certainty. And that's great, right? but it's still business. It's still hard. Somebody asked me if, if starting an online business is the easiest way to make money. And I said, no, the easiest way to make money is to get a job at McDonald's. That's the absolute easiest way to make money. Now, of course, there's a ceiling on how much money you can make because McDonald's is McDonald's. You know, you're only going to make, I don't know what it is, probably $16 an hour at this point, which is a pretty good wage for McDonald's. But in terms of the complexity of the work, it's McDonald's. So it is the easiest way to make money. Um, business is going to be one of the hardest ways to make money because it's risky. It's complex. It is saturated, especially these business models. You know what? This is, this is the number one question I get. The number one question I get from guys about e-commerce, SMMA, and Amazon FBA. Those are the three things that I get asked the most. So that just gives you a sense of 
how saturated it actually is. Everyone's trying to do it. And again, I just want to reiterate this. I'm not telling you not to try. I'm not telling you to not open an e-commerce shop. I'm not telling you not to do a social media marketing agency. I'm just saying, have realistic expectations about it. And I don't mean real, realistic in the sense of what other people tell you is realistic. I'm just saying, don't go into it with the expectation that it's going to be easy. Go into, go into it with the expectation that it's going to be hard, that it's going to be challenging, that it's going to take time, that it's going to take work, it's going to take effort, it's going to take discipline, it's going to take organization. Assume that it's going to take all those things because it's going to. It can be, it's going to be lucrative if that's the way you approach it. You have a much higher likelihood of success if that's how you approach it. But if you approach it like it's going to be some cakewalk, you're just going to go in there and you're going to put up some product half-assed, barely, you know, barely even make your shop look nice and then just post it on the internet and think people are going to line up to buy your, your, your AirPod cleaning device that you saw on TikTok. Like, it's not how it works. You might be able to make a little bit, but you know, not enough to make, not on average, not enough to make a career. But listen, do whatever you want. I am a proponent of proving people wrong. I'm a proponent of doing what people say you can't do. I'm a proponent of having the odds against you and doing it anyway. So just because I'm telling you to have different expectations about it does not mean you should not do it. What I'm saying is that it's work, just like anything else. Don't Just don't expect it to be easy. That's my only point. And as far as, um, you know, I want to go back to the jockey, not the horse thing, right? Um, you need to develop your personal skills. You need to develop your discipline. You need to develop your work ethic. You need to develop all those things, your fitness, your mental health. You need to work on these things. A certain business model, a certain a certain path is not going to yield you the result you need. You have to be the type of jockey that can ride any horse. Understand? I also am a big proponent of having tangible skills, right? This is another problem that I have with Amazon FBA and all these other business models, these trendy business models, is that they're not real, they can be real skills, right? It all depends on how you approach it. But a lot of guys, they'll just follow a certain blueprint that they saw online, and that's fine. If you're, try, if you're just trying to make some cash, that's fine. But if you're betting your entire career on Shopify, if you're betting your entire career on Amazon FBA and you don't have any skills to back that up, you're setting yourself up for failure, right? If you don't have sales skills to to fall back on, if you don't have marketing skills to fall back on, if you don't have content creation skills to fall back on, if you don't have mechanic skills to fall back on, it doesn't matter what the skill is, right? You should have found like foundational skills that are value valuable in multiple different types of economies, right? In the attention economy, in the digital economy, in the real world economy, right? So for example, like for me, I have social media marketing background, I have photography, I have videography, I have video editing, I have uh, to some degree graphic design, I have to, to some degree sales. Um, 
and I have uh, boxing training. I have um, fitness training. And so having that array of skills, having that variety of skills allows me to position myself to be able to make some level of money regardless of what happens, right? You know, if one market, let's say if TikTok shut down tomorrow and I lost my entire audience, I still have these things to fall back on. I still, I still can do coaching. I can still do, I can get a job as a videographer somewhere. I can, you know, I have these things to fall back on. So I would say if you're a young guy and you're trying to build up your Amazon store, your, your, um, e-commerce store or your social media marketing agency. And I'm a much bigger fan of social media marketing agency as a business model, by the way, because it's, it's attached to a tangible skill, right? It's not just, it's not just the platform, right? Um, but you need skills to fall back on. That's my point. And I'm not saying that in the, you know, you got to be safe. You gotta, you gotta make sure you have a, a plan B, it's just like you should have them anyway. You should provide value to the world beyond one platform, beyond just this one business model. Because if I'm being honest, what value does giving someone a product from China that's probably not that great of a product if it's coming from China, be selling it for a marginal profit. And then like, what value does that provide to people? Like, what, what, what problem does that solve? Sure. They can clean their AirPods. That's great. Good, good for them. But like, it doesn't solve real problems, which is what I want to touch on next is I think men especially need to be problem solvers. You know, a lot of guys ask me like, what's, you know, I don't really know what I want to do with my life. And I think, you know, okay, well, you might be asking the wrong question. I think a better question might be, what problems in the world bother me? What problems can I observe in the world that need to be solved that I might have a solution to? What, what is the most important problem that I am capable of solving? That's a good question to ask, right? If you don't have some immediate passion, if you don't have some immediate fire inside you to start an e-commerce store, to go be a plumber or whatever it is, observe the world and ask, you know, ask yourself, what problems need solving? Let's just take me, for example. I look at the world and I see a lot of guys who are lost. I see a lot of guys on medication. I see a lot of guys out of shape. I see a lot of guys addicted to pornography. I see a lot of guys playing video games all the time. I see a lot of guys wasting their potential. That's what I see. That's the problem I see. And so I ask myself, can I do something about that? Yep, I can. So here I am. I'm trying to do something about it. And the vehicle in which you go about solving that problem is dependent on the skill set that you have, right? If you, for me, I am a content creator. I have videography uh, background. I have marketing background. So I use that to my advantage. I build a social media following. I use, I, I'm sitting here making this podcast right now, right? That's me using my skills. Now, let's say, for example, you are, you have a skill as a basketball coach, right? Right. That's your thing. You're, you're a coach, a basketball coach. 
Um, I was a basketball player, so that's why that's why I say that. But let's say you're a basketball coach and you know you want to help solve the same problem that I'm solving. Your vehicle is going to be basketball coaching. You're going to help young men get in the gym. You're going to help young men have discipline. You're going to help young men, you know, find their path, learn the life skills that they need to not end up being these guys that are wasting their potential. You see the problem in the world and then you decide based on your skill set, based on your knowledge, based on your experience, what vehicle can I utilize to solve this problem or at least to do something about this problem, right? So if you're going about solving a problem, you know, it doesn't have to be a big problem, right? The, the one I just laid out is a massive problem. It's a, it is a culture-wide, nationwide, worldwide problem. It doesn't have to be that grand. It doesn't have to be that huge of, of an issue. Um, it, can, it can be a small problem. You know, it can be a very small problem, like having dirty AirPods. The point is, is that it's important to be a problem solver. And if you want to make money, the complexity of the problem you solve is going to yield, is going to be correlated to the amount of money you make, right? If you solve a more complex problem, you will make more money. If you solve a very small problem, you're depending on how it scales, you might make a lot of money anyway. But if you solve a very large problem, right? Look at Elon Musk solving the electric car problem. One could argue that that's a problem, but um, you know he solved that problem, getting to getting things to orbit at a reasonable price. He solved that problem. These are huge, massive, complex problems, and now he's the richest man on the planet, right? And I'm pretty sure that quote actually came from him as well. So that's all the time I'm going to spend on that question. Hopefully that answers it, but moving on. All right. I have been avoiding this. I, I haven't been avoiding this question, actually. I've answered this question so many times, so, so many times, and I'm going to answer it once and for all so that I can refer people back to this podcast to get the final answer to the question. What do you think about Andrew Tate? All right, time to dive into the Andrew Tate question. Andrew Tate is essentially Tyler Durden. If you've seen the movie Fight Club, you know what I'm talking about. Andrew Tate is Tyler Durden. He is the version of yourself, right? If Let's say we're all Edward Norton. The average guy is Edward Norton, right? Um, he's the guy that works the nine to five job. He's the guy who doesn't do anything exciting with his life. He's the guy who's, you know, doing the same thing every single day. He's the guy who's living, you know, some sort of hedonistic, boring, lame life where he's just ordering pizza and jerking off and, and working in a cube. That's the average guy, right? Edward Norton. Edward Norton's the actor that played the average guy in the movie, right? And then conversely, you have Tyler Durden. Tyler Durden is the man's man, larger than life. He's got the personality. He's got the charisma. He's got the body. He's got the style. He's got the money. He's got the notoriety. He's got the name. He's got the status. He is the guy. And then, you know, 
I'm going to spoil the movie right now. So if you don't want to spoil, if you don't want the movie spoiled for you, skip ahead like, you know, two minutes. You know, at the end, you find out that Edward Norton or Tyler Durden is Edward Norton, right? It's the ideal version of, of Edward Norton. And I think every man has that version in, in, in their head. They, everyone has a Tyler Durden. And Andrew Tate is Tyler Durden in real life. Now, should a man go out and try to be Tyler Durden? Should a, guy, man, should a man go out and try to be Andrew Tate? That's a good question. Um, I would say it is more a positive thing than a negative thing. This is always how I viewed Andrew Tate. Is he a net positive or a net negative? He is a he is a person just like anyone else, right? And just like any other person, there are going to be things that I like about him, and there are going to be things that I don't like about him. There are going to be things that I respect, things I don't respect, things I agree with, things I don't agree with, etc. Right? And he's a person, so you know, I would say he's a net positive. I like that he promotes masculinity. That's something that I try to promote. That's something I think needs to be promoted more. And it's the type of masculinity that that is that is honest, right? It is not the type of masculinity that is that is quote unquote toxic, right? It's not the false masculinity that is, you know, feel your feelings. It's more masculine to be to be feminine. It's, it's literally not. That is what that is the is the feminine is the antonym to masculine, but it's also not the type of masculinity. That's like macho man pretending to be this guy who doesn't feel anything, who doesn't, who doesn't, is never vulnerable, is never, is never, you know, caring, is never gentle, um, is never soft and not soft in the sense of like weak, but soft in the sense of like, like, I think, I mean, I'll quote Andrew Tate right away. You know, the the guy who can, I forget exactly what he said, but it was something like the guy who can kill kill a man and hold a baby in the same day, right? It's that, it's that polarity. It's the, it's the duality, so to speak. Um, it is having the gen, it's gentle man. It's essentially what it is. So I'm glad that he promotes that. That's something that I, that I support. Now, I would say my opinion on him has changed in the last couple months, um, more so in the last couple weeks, actually, because of his conversion to Islam. And I, it, is, it is a positive change, I might add. I, I'm glad that his conversion to Islam, I don't know if it is solely responsible of his conversion. I don't know if that's the reason why he's changed his tune. Either way... I, I'm happy with the direction that his his uh, rhetoric is going in, because before it was very get bitches, get money, get cars, get status, get wealth. And like to some degree, he still is promoting that, which is fine. Absolutely fine. I think a man should have a beautiful woman. I think a man should aim for status. I think a man should get money. I think a man should afford his family freedom, afford himself freedom, be able to help other people, give generously, be have a beautiful woman to create a beautiful family, right? These things have value. I'm not arguing that. I'm not disputing that. I am a fan of that. Um, but the thing that always concerned me about Andrew Tate was that he was promoting a version of 
of that, that was not functional. It was getting money for the sake of getting money, getting women for the sake of getting women, getting stuff for the sake of getting stuff, right? That I wasn't down with because there needs to be a function to these things. You, as I was just saying, you know, you get, you get a beautiful woman so that you can create a beautiful family. You get a bunch of money so you can give generously, so you can help your family, so you can afford your family freedom. Um, that's the function of these things. You become a high value man so that you can do high value things so that you can, so that you can do good. So you can facilitate good things happening in the world. That's, that is the point of striving for power so that you can wield it for, for, for the positive. You can wield it for moral ends. And so I believe that his tune has changed in the last couple of weeks and I've been a fan of it. I watched his um, stream with Aiden Ross most recently, and he was very anti-degeneracy, anti-hedonism, anti-sleeping you know, sleeping around, anti-just um, you know, just having stuff for the sake of having stuff. He went on this whole monologue about it, and I thought it was fantastic. And so if that's going to be the messaging from him from here on out, I support it wholeheartedly. Um, I, we need influential people in the world that are promoting virtue, that are promoting, you know, doing good, that are promoting discipline, masculinity, stoicism, bravery, courage, all of the above. And so I would say I'm more of a fan now of Andrew, Tan of, of Andrew Tate than I used to be. And I, and I never disliked him. I just had certain, certain issues with the things that he was saying and I think a lot of those issues have been dealt with since his conversion to Islam. Um, now, I will dive into the, th the things he has to say about Islam and Christianity at a different time, because I do have things that I disagree with him on um, in terms of that. But that's for a different time. I'm not going to dive into that now. So I hope that answers the question about Andrew Tate. But uh in the meantime, I just want to remind you guys that I have a exclusive content page and there's a there's an extended version of this podcast being posted there. So at the end of this podcast, I'm going to be answering Instagram questions. I asked my Instagram followers today uh, to ask some questions and I'll be answering those in the extended version of the podcast, which can be found on my locals page. So if you want to get the full extended version, go there, sign up and support the cause. Much appreciated. All right. How are we doing? We are what, 30 minutes into this? So we'll answer a couple more of my most popular, most commonly asked questions. All right. Why did I start making content? That's the next question. Well, I started making content. First, you have to understand that I, this isn't new, right? Me making content is not a new thing. It's not a new endeavor. I've been making content for 14 years. I created my first YouTube channel in 2008. So it's been a while. And it's been a long and very inconsistent journey. I have, uh, I have done everything under the sun when it comes to content. I have done comedy sketches. I've done gaming. I've done vlogging. I've done these like sit down talky type videos. I have done everything you can think of. 
I've I've tried every niche. I've tried every path. I've tried every everything, everything. And um, YouTube has evolved over the years. It's become a lot of different things. Um, and you know, I think that the reason why the content I have now is striking a chord with so many people is because it's true to me. I'm being authentic, being authentically myself. And I'm speaking from a position of experience. I have, I have been on both sides of the coin in terms of the, the conditioning of society, right? I've lived the mentally ill anxiety, depression, um, on medication, in therapy, like I've lived that life. And I've also lived the, you know, be a man, lift weights, you know, suck it up, masculinity, traditional masculinity uh, side of it. And I'm a much bigger fan of one than the other, which is why I promote it. Um, but in terms of why I started creating this content is because of that experience. I was going through my tough time a couple of years ago with anxiety, with depression, with, with all that going to therapy, being out of shape, et cetera. And once I understood that the path that the medical system was not working out for me and that there had to be a different one. And that path ended up being a path of discipline. It ended up being a path of hard work. It ended up being a path of, um, honesty with self. It ended up being a path of accountability of, of, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I ran out of words, but again, we're learning, we're learning this podcast thing. Anyway, once I learned all these lessons about the truth of reality, meaning that I was essentially not lied to necessarily just ushered down the wrong path in terms of solutions. I think that we live a very um, unnatural life. We live a very unnatural life. We live in boxes all day long. We don't really go outside anymore. We stare at screens all day long. We sit, sit down all day long. We, you know, we eat these foods that are super processed. We don't drink like clean water. I mean, it's cleaner than, you know, a lot of other places in the world, but it's not, it's not pure clean water. Anyway, the point is, I think that a lot of these things lead to the distress and the depression and the anxiety and the overall um, nihilism and despair that we see in the world. And so we have to do something about that. We have to do something about that. And I think the best solution in terms of what I can do is to talk about it. I have a relatively decent ability to articulate my thoughts. I have the ability to create content. And so I therefore have an obligation to speak on these things. And I've experienced them. That just adds to my obligation. So I've, I've experienced the thing that I'm talking about. I have the ability to articulate the thing that I'm talking about. And I have the ability to promote and create content about the thing that I'm talking about. 
that is a duty. That is an obligation at that point. It is not a, it is not about what I want to do. It is a, it is about the fact that I need to do it. I have an obligation to spread this message. And so here I am spreading it. <laughs> yeah. So that's why I create the content I, I create now. And I, and I just want to, I think it's a good connecting point for that last last point about being a problem solver and seeing the problems you, you, you observe in the world and, and, um, doing something about them based on your skill set. So I, I like to be the example of that. Um, and I think, I think every person that's, that's watching this or listening to this thinking, what am I going to do with my life? Do I really want to work this job the rest of my life? Do I really want to sell this product that I don't even really care about? You know, I'm not helping people. I'm not helping the world. I'm not providing value in a way that's meaningful to me. I'm not providing value in a way that's actually making the world better. It's actually solving problems. Um, you should ask yourself that question. What problems can I solve? It's a good question to ask. So, I'm going to answer these last two questions before we move on to the extended version of the show. And I'm going to make them somewhat brief because I don't want to be sitting here for the rest of my life. So the next question is, how do I stay motivated? So the first thing, this is my least favorite question. And well, the first one's actually my least favorite question, but this one's my second least favorite question. Because if you've watched my content for any period of time, you would know that motivation is my least favorite word. I hate the word motivation. It is a, it is an emotion. It is essentially asking, how can I be joyous and smile all the time? How can I be happy all the time? I never want to be sad. That is a dumb question. You're going to be sad. You're going to be sad. You're never going to be happy all day long. And truth of the matter is you're not going to be living on either end of the either end of the extreme the majority of the time. Chances are you're going to be living somewhere in the middle where you're like, you know, motivated enough where you know you should be doing it, but like not motivated enough to like go to the gym and really kill it or like go start work and really kill it. But you're 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 not like demotivated enough where you just like can't get out of bed. You're always somewhere in the middle. And it's the same thing with emotions, right? You're not super happy all the time. And you're not like in despair and depressed all the time. Chances are you're living somewhere in the middle. The point is, it doesn't matter how you feel. You could be on opposite ends of the spectrum. You could be super happy all the time, or you could be super sad all the time. You could be super motivated all the time. You could be super demotivated all the time. Either way, you are either doing the thing you need to do or you're not. Regardless, regardless of what feeling you have, the, the stuff is getting done or it is not getting done. That's, that's it. <laughs> there's no if, ands, or buts about it. There's, there is how you feel and then there's what's actually going on. The, the needle's moving or it's not moving. And so, yeah, screw motivation. It doesn't matter. I don't care if you feel like doing it. I don't care if you're motivated. I don't care if you're demotivated. I don't care if you feel tired. I don't care about any of that. It doesn't matter. When people tell me I'm a motivational speaker, when people tell me that I motivate them, I'm like, okay, great. Great. Cool. 
I'm glad you're motivated. Use that motivation. When you're motivated, be motivated. Great. Use it. But also understand that it's a feeling, right? It's just like falling in love with a, with a, with a girl, right? And being in the honeymoon phase of your, of your relationship, right? Nothing can go wrong. You guys love each other so much and like everything's great. And if you're not, if you don't have the self-awareness, if you don't have the ability to step outside yourself and observe things objectively, then you're just going to get, that's why they say head over heels, right? You fall head over heels. You, you completely lose sight of yourself. You completely lose sight of reality because you are just so caught, wrapped up in these emotions, and you need to have that same level of self-awareness when it comes to motivation, when it comes to joy, when it comes to sadness, right? You have to understand that these things are feelings that come and go. So when you are motivated, when you are super jazzed up to go to go do the thing, and when you watch one of my videos and you're like, yeah, I'm so fired up, be fired up. That's great. But have that sitting in the back of your head and think, okay, I'm fired up. That's great. But let's not like think that this is the normal state of things because it's not right. You're going to wake up tomorrow and probably be the same amount of motivated that you are all the rest of the days, which is probably not that motivated. So you have to fall back on the discipline. You have to fall back on the I'm doing what I said I was going to do. And this is this goes into the next question, which is how do I remain consistent? So when you're trying to remain consistent, one of my favorite sayings, I think it's from Alex Hormozzi, I'm not sure, but it is the, the day starts the night before. And so if you're trying to stay disciplined, if you're trying to stay consistent, the best thing you can do, and it's the most overlooked and underrated thing on the face of the planet, it's a, it's a to-do, wow, that was, the, that was a stutter. It is a to-do list. Have a to-do list. It's not hard. You write down the things you need to do the following day, write it the night before. So that way you wake up and you just have to execute, right? You're not thinking, you're not spending any time in the morning thinking about what you have to do. You already know because you thought about it the night before. Make a list of all the things you got to do and, and not, not, and be realistic about it, right? Don't write down all the things you have to do for the next month, right? Don't, don't write down massive goals that you can't actually achieve in 24 hours, Write down things that if you accomplish those things, you would feel like you had a successful day, that you felt like you moved the needle, that you felt like you were mar like at least somewhat productive, that you could go to sleep at night and be like, I wasn't a total loser today. Write down that amount of things. And even, and I tell this to all my coaching clients, even if you finish the things by noon, cool. You got the rest of the day to do what you want. You checked the box. You did what you needed to do. And you did it way faster than you thought you were going to. Some nights you're going to, it's going to take way longer than you think it's going to. Some nights you're going to be up until two in the morning doing the things you need to do because you, you way overshot it. Things took longer than you thought. And some days things go faster than you think. And you finish your stuff. It's like 10 a.m. And you're like, well, I got the rest of the day. What am I going to do? You could do more stuff. That would help. But you could also do nothing because you were productive that day. People far underestimate what they can do in like the long, the long haul. They think I'm going to, I'm going to be in the best shape possible in two months. Give me 60 days. I'm going to be in the best shape possible. You know what's going to happen? 
you're going to be in good, you're going to be in good shape for those two weeks or whatever it is after those 60 days. And then you're going to go right back to all the stuff you were doing before. But if you focus on small wins every single day over the long haul, then you create habits that stick. Then you create a lifestyle, not just a diet, not just a workout program, not just a temporary thing. It becomes permanent. You have to do the things that become permanent in your life. And this means getting small wins every day, right? If you get us in, if you're really down bad, if you're trying to dig yourself out of a hole, you, it's hard to, to, to conceptualize the idea of just getting a small win because it feels like, it feels like not a win at all because you have so much left to do. But if you just adopt the mentality of getting smaller wins and allowing them to compound over time, allowing them to rack up over time and be okay with things taking a long time, the minute you do that, you're going to change your life forever. Guarantee it. Guarantee it. You are the sum of what you do every single day over a long time horizon. Not what you do for three months, not what you do for six weeks, not what you do for six months. You are, you are what you do for 10 years. So in terms of being consistent and being disciplined and being motivated, not motivated, screw motivation. In terms of being all the things that I, that I support, consistency, discipline, you have to, you have to get small wins. You have to get them every single day. Some, if you're, if you are a hundred pounds overweight and you haven't stepped into a gym in five years, that might mean just go to the gym, right? Just go. I don't, you don't have to do a work. You don't have to, you don't have to do this crazy workout and try to lose all hundred pounds in, in, in three months. That is the wrong way to approach it. Just go, go there, be there, walk on the treadmill, whatever it is, 15 minutes don't, don't matter. Go just build the habit of going. And then eventually you will go and then you'll, you'll be like, all right, well, I'm here. So I might as well do something. And then that little something builds, it builds into a little bit more, a little bit more. And you find yourself doing four exercises and then five exercises, then six, then you're doing a full workout. And then you start socializing with people at the gym. You start meeting people at the gym and then you're socially working out. Now you're there two to three hours a day and you don't even realize it. And now you're a gym rat. You just became a gym rat. And all, and all you did was just, you just went. It all started just by going. That little win turned into that massive win. Right? But if you went in there with this mentality that you're just going to bust the doors down and lose all hundred pounds as fast as you possibly can. Sure. You would have gone for three months and maybe lost like 30 pounds and you'd have felt good for those three months, but you go right back to what you were doing. It's all about the long term. You have to think in terms of five to 10 years, decades, not, not weeks, not months, decades. That's how you win. All right. We're going to jump into the extended part of the podcast. So if you want to listen to that, we're going to be answering Instagram questions. Head over to notmattgram.locals.com. It's like $5 a month to, to get the exclusive content. 
literally is way better than spending money on Starbucks or whatever you were going to do with that $5. Anyway, um, if you're not going to join us for that, thank you for watching this first, this first episode of the podcast. I will get my stutters out of the way. I will get my likes and ums out of the way. Um, we just got it. And there we go with an um. I will get all those out of the way. We're going to get better at talking. And I enjoyed this. This is a good first episode. I look forward to the future of this podcast. And I hope that you guys enjoy it. Until next time, until the next podcast, peace out.